Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet. Intergrot? What is this new? We invented a new. What's the intergrot? I said universe. Oh, you've. We've done like four billion episodes. You you don't know what I say yet. You go. You're doing great. Go ahead. That's amazing. Welcome to Lloyd Welcome Lander. to Loinlander. No, you. Is no, it? you okay. go. All right. Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the universe or anywhere. <laughs> I am your host Joe. Oh, I'm your host Megan, and it is late. We are here to talk about episode six oh seven of Outlander, entitled "Sticks and Stones." Sticks and stones. Now, this episode was directed by Jamie Payne, who, interestingly enough, directed a ton of episodes in season five. This is his first episode of season six. But one of the episodes he directed that I know you really liked was called Never My Love, which was the final episode of season five. And not that you liked the episode, but stylistically, it was really cool. It was when they were in that 1970s home. Oh, yeah, that was a cool episode for sure. Yeah. So he directed this episode as well. And it was written by some person named Danielle Barrow who wrote a bunch of episodes in season five too. But I don't really have anything that great to say about the writing of this episode. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a continuation of the last episode, which if you tuned in, you would know I did not enjoy. Yeah. So this episode begins with a cold open and we have flashbacks to Malva in front of everyone in the church talking about the devil in the guise of the man who seduced her. And you were immediately confused. You looked and said, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, well, it was it was just, I just didn't expect to see Malva again. I mean, story-wise, we're moving backwards, guys. Like, right. why, it, it's a jolt, right? Like, to suddenly... I didn't want to see her. I thought we were done. So it was just like, oh my God, really? Yeah, and you looked over and said, are we still doing this? Yeah, and we were, all episode long. Yeah. So then we have the title shot, which I thought was very cool. It's a ladybug crawling up the chute of the... It's like a stalk of wheat yeah. or something like and that. Then, and then suddenly it sees blood dripping down and it flies away. Mm-hmm. It's a great shot. As all ladybugs do. As all ladybugs would. Yeah. And then the episode begins right where we left off with dead Malva lying Still in dead. the garden. Yeah. Only now Tom and Alan Christie are standing over her. Yeah. And did you know right away where this was headed? Like, did you know that this was going to be a you murdered, you murdered her situation? Absolutely. I mean, as it goes, you know, to later on in this episode, everything points to Claire, right? I mean, she had, you know, what was it? Motive, opportunity, and the means. I can't, I can't remember what Roger's big three were, but, uh, uh, I mean, I was thinking that after last episode that, you know, I, I was kind of wondering if she actually did it. Yeah. You looked over at me at one point and you're like, I'm sorry, did Claire murder Melba? Is that what this is about? Um, but let's go back to the scene with Tom Christie and Alan Christie and Jamie and Claire, because it's an upsetting scene. And Tom Christie says, well, we'll have to bury them in the forest. We can't bury them next to God giving or God believing Christians or yeah, something. I, I can't mean, remember. I mean, that's on brand for Tom. You know, it's it's God above all. But Jamie looks at him and is like, it's your daughter. Yeah. Tom Tom doesn't care. It's all God is Tom's only daughter. And then he says, and I mean, Tom is such a bizarre character because I felt bad for him. Like his eyes are welling up and he said, what are we going to say about her? Because when he agrees to the funeral, he 
He says, what are we going to say about her? Right. And Claire said that Malva Christie was full of life and light and that there was fire in her eyes. There was fire in her eyes. Yeah. She was a, she was a motivated little witch, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. And then Jamie picks her up. And here's maybe where, I don't know if this is the storytelling or the directing, but he picks her up and he's carrying her and we see her dead hand flailing. And then next scene, dead hand resting. It's like, mm-hmm. why? We get it, guys. Like, She's we, dead. That's she's her dead. Hand. That's yeah. her hand. And then Claire goes to take care of the body. Sure. Like, why though? Well, no one else. Who else is going to do it? Right. Like, I, you know, the fisher folk, like, no, you know. No yeah, that's one... true. No one's going to touch her. No one's going to want right. anything to do with her. And then she starts having, I don't know, like waking daydreams, sort of. But there's someone pounding on the door. She sees, like, the light. She sees Lionel Brown. She sees that bird from season three that she saw in the kitchen when she was married to Frank. Yeah, it's like a weird flashback montage i mean she's having a mental breakdown i she is and lionel brown is talking oh do you think jamie's gonna save you he can't save you from yourself here's what i'm gonna tell you uh the lionel brown stuff has annoyed me all season long Mm -hmm. this episode um was the only episode that i thought they did it well is that right i thought i actually if they had done the lionel brown stuff like this all season i maybe wouldn't have hated it so much because this wasn't because this Lionel Brown in this episode was completely different from all the other Lionel Browns like this was the other Lionel Browns were just like spooky you know she's jumping at shadows she's you know but in this episode Lionel Brown actually is like a manifestation of her subconscious and her own self-doubt like Lionel Brown isn't there to scare her he's like he's actually just talking with her he's having conversations with her he's not i don't think anywhere in this episode was the lionel brown manifestation actually threatening in any way a he's, lot of time, he's lurking though he's, he's her worst thoughts about oh, herself he's yeah for sure but you know what i mean like he's i like how in this one he's just kind of like sitting in the corner and talking to you know it was it was actually for me way creepier than just having him be like this like spooky face in the window and that kind of thing i I thought it was just a a way better way to do it and also to you know um it was a really smart way to show claire's mental struggles you know without having to spell it out with like you know a, a, a clumsy conversation with jamie where she's like which she ended up having anyway right but you know like but um, it, it was a good way to, to get into her head mm-hmm. without, you know, having to lean on a monologue or, you know, an exposition dump conversation. Right. So I actually thought it was, uh, they, they used it well in this one. Interesting. Yeah. So she decides, you know, he's talking to her and telling her just her worst thoughts about herself and she avoids the ether and she goes and she starts chugging whiskey. One glass, yeah. two glass. This is her attempt not to take ether. Right. Like, this is her being the big person, the responsible yeah. person. I'm not going to take ether. I'm going to chug this whiskey straight. Jamie comes around the corner and he says, wouldn't blame you if there's none left. And I'll have one too. Yeah. And then he has one too. Miss Bug arrives and she is nasty. Yeah. I mean, this carries on this trend where just like suddenly everyone on 
the prairie there is just shitty to them. Yeah. All these people that they've, you know, helped and sheltered for, is it years? Provided employment. You know, employment, you know, have been, from what I have seen, nothing but good. And they just, like, turn on the Frasers immediately. She's just a busybody. And she said, everyone's wanting to know what happened. Malva kept telling people, Mr. Fraser's, it was Mr. Fraser's baron she was carrying. Mr. Crombie's here. What should I say to him? So Jamie says, tell him to wait outside. Jamie goes to meet this Mr. Crombie, Mr. Grumpy. And he just he starts Mr. Grumpy. throwing all sorts. He, he acts like he's just giving a Bible to Jamie. Right. And then he just starts throwing all sorts of accusations and insults like to Jamie and to Claire and to like everything. Yeah, accusations. Yeah. And, and like I said, like every, these, it's, it's like all of a sudden it's just like okay to beak off Claire and Jamie yeah. and everyone else. And the part that I don't get is that they just take it, which is, which is bugged me, which bugged well, me the last couple Well, he's like, of... use your next words wisely. And the guy just turns around and walks away. But still like it. It seems out of character. Yeah. Me. Then we have a scene with Brianna and Roger, and she tells Roger he's not the minister, at which point you pointed out. Um, yeah, I was like, <laughs> is this a drinking game? Like, how many times have they told him he's not the minister? Yeah. And she doesn't look pregnant at all. I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but her pregnancy is so inconsistent in this episode. Like, yeah, she's it was pregnant. bugging no, you. Not. I didn't really notice, but I don't really notice her at all. Then Mr. Henderson arrives, Obadiah Henderson, and he's the gentleman that we saw lying in the church with malva when roger walked in i don't know if we'd call him a gentleman so So jamie and roger go out and they're talking to this guy and uh and again he basically just came to mouth off yeah but i will okay i just want to say this and this won't surprise you but i feel like richard rankin was really good in this scene because he was being careful and Mm -hmm. he's like i know that you were friends perhaps more like he's looking at him like i know right um which is like the guy knew he knew he caught them in the church it's like why did he have to remind him of that like like again this is so inconsistent with the story because if the guy was caught by the minister he wouldn't be so stupid to come up and be like you know again these are things that like why aren't they using these things like why is roger not coming up and being like Malva was boning that dude in the church. You know, it's like, this is all Roger's fault again. Like if Roger had just, you know, not tried to look out for his own ass in that episode where he caught Malva, this would all have been avoided. Let's take a moment though. How did you think Richard Rankin was in this scene? You know what? This is, he's been solid all season long. Um, He has been fine. Uh, They've, you know, good guy Roger has redeemed his character I find the character to be whatever. He's like a he's like a vanilla ice cream cone. It's like No, you but never he's a really it, good actor. My whole point here is I'm concerned that when Richard Rankin and Sam Hewen are in scenes together that he's out acting Sam Hewen. Sam Hewen's not a really he's not a good actor. So that's that's not that's not hard. That's like I mean I, I've grown to actually have like a little bit of I feel like I've watched enough Sam Hewen that he's kind of like, I don't know if I would say like a friend, but I, I have a familiarity <laughs> with him, with his character. And with yeah. him. So it's, it's like, I don't even notice how bad he may or may not be anymore because I've just seen, you know, that character You're so like, often. That is what he has to offer that, me. That is it. Right. Like, so 
So it doesn't seem glaring to me how bad it may or may not be. Okay. Um, when he's in scenes with Richard Rankin, it it's noticeable to me. And maybe it's because he doesn't have chemistry with Richard Rankin. I don't know. He has chemistry with everyone else. Because in scenes with Claire, well, we'll get into that later, but I really felt like Richard Rankin was outshining Sam Hewen in this scene with Mr. Henderson. Okay. Then we have Claire sewing up Malva again mm-hmm. with Lionel Brown talking to her again. And I will say this is the third time that we've had this exact scene in this episode. And that might be too many. I know you really liked the way they did it. Uh, I mean, I like the way they did it, but we didn't need to see her stitching up that neck three times. Right. Like, come on, do your job. And then the next scene is, and I think you like this scene, everyone's sitting around the dinner table trying to figure out like a whodunit kind of thing. And Roger and Brianna... They talk about Perry Mason. Right. Ian questions who it is. And Brianna says, oh, he's a detective from our time. Right. And, and then what happens? Well, no. And then you said... When the fuck did they tell... <laughs> well, like, like, I love how they just gloss over these things. Like, they spend so much time on, you know, tiny things like Claire stitching up Malva's neck, but... I would have loved to see the scene where where they do the reveal that oh yeah like they're from the future as well, which obviously makes sense. But still, I, I kind of want to see it. I think I, don't I know there that. was a very long scene where Jamie and Claire sat down and they told Ian about where she was from. Yeah, I don't. It's like, and that was after Brianna had arrived. I, I think so. Obviously, Brianna's from the future as well. Uh, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just but. Roger as well, like, you know, that might be a bit of a piece of information. I just, it's such a missed opportunity in this show that it's... it's To constantly talk about time travel? Like, Ian is not dumb. Uh, He is a smart uh, young man with a snappy haircut. And you would think he would be asking about stuff. If I was in a house with three people from the future, mm-hmm. I would be asking about shit all the time. I know. I would be like, show me how to make a jetpack. You know, like show like show me space things. Like yeah. like all the time. I would just be constantly asking about, you know, what happened, what what happens, what happens you know, it's just like just speak future words to me. And yeah. and Ian's just like, let's fish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really it, it, he's it very just, accepting of the situation I guess he's accepted it it just seems like a wasted opportunity though to have like it would be great if they would just go back to like conversations you know if they're wasting they've, they've, you have so much filler in this season mm-hmm. you know you've got all these episodes that are like an hour and five minutes that should probably be about 40 minutes mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're gonna do all this crap filler like have like this funny recurring storyline where Ian and Ian keeps going around and asking people about the fu- about the future and they have conversations about things or something. I don't know. Like you can, there's ways to make this stuff charming. Like You know what? Of course Ian knows Brianna's from the future because remember she's the one that told him how bad it was going to end up for the First Nations people. Right. That's fair. So he they did know. He, okay. But I agree with I you. I agree with you. Bizarre. It's bizarre. I think it's because, I think it honestly, just building on what I just said, like I it feels so jarring because they never talk about it Mm -hmm. you know so when it comes out of the blue to just drop it casually like that Mm -hmm. it seems so out of place right that i'm like wait did they tell him because they never fucking talk about it yeah no they did and they've actually discussed it with him okay well whatever it's not enough so 
Claire walks in and said, because they're like, who would have the motive? Who would have the mm-hmm. whatever and the whatever? And she said, me. And that's when you realize that Claire is having major self-doubt. Right. Or a complete mental breakdown, as, as, as you described, which is true. Then we have Claire and Jamie, and they're getting ready for bed. And I don't know if you noticed this, but it looked like he was putting some sort of frying pan situation into her side, onto her side of the bed to warm it. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but that's exactly what it is. You fill it with like hot coals and you put it underneath. I can't remember what that's called. Just but to make it nice and cozy bed, before bed. Bed warmer thing. I, I thought remember. that was very chivalrous. I thought yeah. that was a sweet moment. I could use one of those. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's funny because when he's you know, they're just doing their regular bedtime routine. Mm. And she's telling him about the the day that Malva died. And she said, I took some ether and then had a lie down. And she just like, <laughs> and, and he kind of stops for a second and looks over and he's like, Jesus Christ, like you knocked yourself out. Yeah. But I love how you can tell she wants to tell him. Right. But she just like casually throws it and then took ether. I'm a drug addict. And then she just keeps going. She's like, I just had a little lie down after taking drugs. Yeah. Um, so she's almost ready to tell him, but not quite. And good for Jay Frey for not pushing it. Like he calls her out on it and says that that's a little crazy, Mm -hmm. but he can tell she's not ready to really dive into the ether thing yet. And then he says, you didn't hurt her. You're just not capable of it. And this is where I started to get annoyed because I know the history of these characters and it's like, well, she murdered Dougal. Like she, I mean... Yeah, he was threatening her, but so was Malva. Like, she and Jamie together, they... They've done some stuff. They've done some stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Claire seems to think she's capable of it. Yeah. And then there's another Brianna and Roger scene with you, as you said, the token shot of Jemmy in the forest. Yeah. And Brianna does not look pregnant again. She's she's not looking pregnant. They sit down. <laughs> And then I will just say we're coming to a really interesting part of the of the episode, which is um, Claire and Lizzie talking about the Beardsley twins. This is where we have, I guess, Lizzie's very special monologue. Yeah. Is that what we're calling it? And she describes to Claire about how she had a horrible, this is when she had malaria and a yeah. horrible fever to where her teeth were clacking together. Well, we've, we've somehow, I can't remember where it was, but we found out that Lizzie is pregnant, pregnant. and that's why we're having this conversation. But, um, yeah. She says the lad, the lads rubbed cream all over her. It was. We were slippery with ointment and naked under the quilts. There's things about like wrinkled raisins Mm -hmm. and fuzzy bits. And I can't even remember. Like it was just, and. And she said it felt so wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. So. But, okay, so I think... The in Beardsley the- three-way extravaganza, like, it's, like, I, I've i had I've had fevers and stuff before. You've been with, sick, with yeah. With my teeth chattering. And I can tell you that, like, a three-way, um, <laughs> a menage a trois, greasy or not, was not, um, <laughs> certainly not on, like, top of mind. Or anything probably I was really physically capable of at that time. But uh, I know. Lizzie was like, she saw the opportunity. It's not an opportunity, though. When I, don't I have also what had happened? horrible fevers where I'm like, you know, shaking in yeah. bed. I can't even like, if someone asks me a question, I can't right. even answer. I'm just like, I'm yeah. so sick and physically uncomfortable mm-hmm. right now. Like, I can't have this conversation. Right. Like, certainly I couldn't 
There's no ointment. Get involved in sexual activity with not one, but two people? Two Beardsleys. It just, it rings a little false to me. I mean, where are you? That's the... I guess I would like to know. Here's a question. Has any... Has anyone ever had oh, really? a With horrendous tremendous? fever or malaria? Teeth chattering to the point Teeth where you chattering. think they'll break. <laughs> um, and two twins came into your room, rubbed you down with oil, no. and you had a three-way gang. No, I just don't no. think anyone has the energy for it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, maybe maybe she didn't do a lot of the work. Who knows? I mean, I don't... But then that doesn't sound good when you say it like that. Um, so, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So she so, tells Claire that she just loves them both so much and she has continued this three-way relationship and Claire says, you can't have it both. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Lizzie wants it to work that way. She likes her Beardsley sandwich. For oh sure. Gosh. And then like, we, and then, yeah, are you, are you? I mean, the whole scene was like ridiculous, right? Like it this was. This actress though, that is a tough monologue a, to pull oh, off yeah, and she, she did it. She get an Emmy for getting through that without laughing. Yeah. Like it is, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's right along the same lines as like, like the Fergus, um, like I'm gonna like nipple suck the baby out kind of like, it's just like, they're, they're just, they're, they're raising the bar on like silly sex in this this is like the silly sex season i don't know if it's silly or just very unrealistic Uh, to the point of being silly like it's it's you know what though who are we to say there are people out there that get off on having horrible fevers and three-way sex so why are we who are we to say someone had to write that shit so someone (laughs) thought it up like that's diana gabaldon i mean right now like she knows that's her thing so we shouldn't judge No, I, I will. Okay. Roger sees Mr. Bug and he asks him to be careful around Jemmy because he's been scaring Jemmy with ghosts of witches and everything else. And Mr. Bug says, that's life. I'm going to go kill a pig. I'd ask you to watch, but I think it would be too disturbing. And you were annoyed. You were like, why is everyone shitting all over this family? Yeah, like, and Jamie so... just stood there and like let him... I don't think Jamie heard. I think he, he was, was like st- w- walking past. I don't know, but it's it's still the same thing where I just like everybody just shits all over them and like I don't know. They it, just it let makes... it like both the bugs and yeah, it's like it's the bugs. Like if the bugs are shit talking you, like we're, yeah, like, like hey, can you like, watch what you say around my son? No, go fuck yourself. Okay, great. Okay, like, sounds great. Have fun yeah, with that thanks, pig. Like it's so like much. you know <laughs> it, you. Like, who else is, is, you know, is Jemmy going to start, like, emasculating no. them? Like, what's going to happen? Like, it's so, it's, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, it seems so spectacularly out of character that they would, that all these people would turn so hard on them. I mean, yet, yet stay, for one thing, like, or. or yeah, actually, at that point, when Mr. Bug beaked off Roger you were like what the hell is going on here like get out of there go back to Scotland like why are you staying yeah it would be like and exactly like they're there they work it would be you know like knock knock who's there you're fired you you know it's it's go go like why don't they go back to Lallybrock Jamie because because the books say they don't and that's all that matters I know but why don't they it makes like, no I, don't know the book, I, I, don't, I don't know the I don't, book story at this point, but like if I, I mean, the house is really nice, right? Mm-hmm. That's a nice home I mean, that they live they in. built a giant house. But everyone there is awful. Yeah. And um, like war is coming to the States. 
Like, no, the story is completely nonsensical. It's like, oh, there's a giant war where everyone's going to die. It's, like, it's going to be a bloody, violent war. Totally, let's hang out. It's like, go to, I don't know, wherever. Like, wherever there's not a war at that time. Like, you know, somewhere nice Scotland. and warm. Scotland's pretty like, cool, Like, get on probably. the boat. Go I, back to oh, Scotland. Wherever? If you don't want to live in Lollybrock, take, you know, build a Fraser's Ridge a few miles away from Lollybrock. And Jenny and Ian... Like, why uh, not? Where is Jenny? Why not, yeah, though? I, I, I mean, because it makes too much sense. I don't know. Like, it's go anywhere. Go to Canada. You know, like, go to somewhere, you know, and just to hang out. Use your knowledge of the future to make a shitload of money and live happily ever after. It's not that hard. Yeah. It, it's, again, it's just, I mean, it's a dumb story. Jamie and Roger then have a heart to heart and uh, Roger confesses that, you know, he has this pull to sort of take care of all the folks at Fraser's Ridge. Um, And then he says, I don't think there's a minister coming. Someone has to do it. I'm thinking it's me. But did we think there was a minister coming this whole time? I mean, they built a church, had a bell in it. Someone had sex on the floor. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Then we're back to Claire. She has Melva's outfit. And Lionel Brown is talking to her. And you said these were truth bombs. Yeah, Lionel Truth Bomb Brown. Yeah, that, he was just... Because he's like, it, you're selfish. Everything you do messes things up. I, like he's, you only... Basically, he's like the uh, Loinlander avatar. Yeah. Like, that's kind of all the stuff Lionel was saying was sort of what... Uh, I mean, I, I've said for like three seasons. Well, it pushes her over the edge. Yeah. And she does drink the... Or not drink the ether, but she inhales the ether. Right. And then as she's going down, just like all the trauma from the last few years, like since she first went through the stones, yeah. I guess that's the last two decades, comes back. And you hear you hear um, Tobias Menzies say, Madame Fraser. And then you hear Frank say, Claire. Claire. And then you hear Blackjack mm-hmm. saying beautiful lies which was so exciting first of all i love hearing tobias menzies voice but then when he you probably don't remember when he says beautiful lies no it's from my all-time favorite outlander episode the moment when i realized this was my favorite show the garrison commander oh, and you've it's mentioned when this one it's when um blackjack and claire are in the room and he starts drawing a picture of her while she's talking and telling him how she um, arrived when when she did mm-hmm. and he draws it and he's like and he turns and shows her the picture and she says you've drawn my likeness it's beautiful and he says I'll call it beautiful lies and then he like punches her in the stomach oh I remember so that. the beautiful lies is like I can see why that was trauma for her that he says that because that's the moment where she's like I am in a lot of trouble here this person knows I'm lying right um and then it got me thinking just to go on a tangent about the first season of Outlander, they had Tobias Menzies playing not one, but two characters. It's such a loss to have that kind of actor. And it wasn't like he was just in it sometimes. He was in it all the time, almost as much as Katrina Balf. Well, he was on the poster. <laughs> or like some of yeah, the posters. He absolutely anyway, like he was, was a, he yeah. was a lead. Um, it's crazy. You, that can't, they... you can't even compare season one really season two or probably even season three um about lander but for sure not episode or sorry season one 
to what's going Happening on now, now in I know. the last couple of seasons because it's a compl- it is a completely different show. But it's so frustrating because, and I know, I mean, the book does go back and forth. She has a lot of memories of her twenty years in the future with Frank. Like, why can't we see more of that? You know, like we just it was one episode. It was one episode of what happened. It was episode three of or maybe episode two of season three, and then it was done. And it's like, I know they brought Tobias Menzies back for that one guest appearance in season four when Brianna time travels. Yeah. And she looks back and she sees him. I mean, like, he had the that. crown, and, you know, Tobias Menzies was smart enough to leave, right? Like, he, he saw what was happening, and he had no ties to it, and, and he was gonzo. Yeah. But where's, uh, where's Dr. Joe? Like somebody, I don't know. Like I know. Give me, give me some future people. Well, yeah, give like me... just this is what I mean. Like show us that life. Like let's break it up a little bit. We like, don't need scene after scene. Like something needs to happen. Travel through time. Have a war. Do something. It's time. Like, they need. It is time. Like this is. It's time. The waste. The biggest waste of a season. An hour and four minutes to say that Malva has died right. and people are mean. Like we're, that's what we did. Totally. It's a show about. It's a show about time travelers and we've spent an entire season on like a little house on the prairie drug addiction and a murder mystery. Yeah. It's like, what a waste. The next scene is Claire and Jamie go to Malva's funeral. And I mean, there's hardly anyone in the church because she was considered a sinner, but they sit at the back. Brianna is there looking very pregnant. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say she was a sinner. Like it's not, (laughs) she was not good. Everyone's a sinner, as Roger no, said. No, but like, like I'm saying, like, like she was. She. It's not like she was miscast as a good person, as a as a bad person. Like she was not. She was like she, she. There was if people knew all the stuff that Malva actually did, even less people would be in the like church. Chopped off, like dead chopping guy's off fingers. fingers and doing like like witch rituals and like having, uh, you know. Uh, whatever premarital she was trying to survive sex. in for sure but i'm just saying period. you know she it's not like it's not like oh she was an innocent flower and people are judging her she was not an innocent flower there's not enough pallbearers as they pick up her that's right casket so jamie yeah steps forward mm-hmm. alan christie's like no not you and so then ian does young yeah. ian which he- why is that okay I don't know. I mean, it, I I hate the Alan Christie character so much, um, but it, it you know it's just. Well, again, and then Claire's like, "Well, I'll carry the baby's pat." Alan Christie throws a hissy fit, and it's, it's like, yeah, whatever, blah blah yeah. blah. He drops his sister <laughs> to oh, go get the well, baby. Well, throws it's everyone like, off because he just drops yeah, her. It's like they're bonkers. They are, but then, but then Jamie. Like, later on, like, the next day, you see him, and he's just so angry, and he totally takes it out on Lizzie. He, like, walks into the living room, and he's like, you know, you've acted like a whore. She's like, I'm not a whore. And he's like, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying you acted like... It's like, oh, my God. Like, he's so crude. He's totally taking it out on her. Yeah, like, why is he such a coward to everyone else, yet he punishes... And like he's like, you people. are going to marry one of these Beardsley twins and I'll probably kill the others. And you and I were, and you look over and you said, there is no double fucking on the ridge. No, no. <laughs> Single fucking only. Yeah. Oh, and then Claire learns. So he forces her to marry. I can't remember which one. One of them. 
the the great Jimmy job whatever yeah like that yeah and then the next morning Claire learns that it was Lizzie banging on her door Mm -hmm. the morning that Malva died and she feels a lot better way to the world way to the world off but then quickly Lionel tells her it doesn't mean anything and she starts like really really losing it and then I I liked this scene a lot. She's moving from room to room, and Jamie is also there. They almost do this dance in that square that is her office, the hallway, the kitchen, and then her office mm-hmm. again. And I also liked when Jamie was looking at her curiously and then looks into the room, and Lionel Brown is standing right beside him. Right. Well, and she, the, at one point, Claire was like, don't go in. Like, I know. like she, she actually thinking? thinks Jamie's going to see him. Like, she's having a mental breakdown. Like, she is, there's like a, like a, she's living in a distorted reality. But then when Jamie walked in, were you surprised to see Lionel standing there? I thought, obviously, he wasn't going to be there anymore. No, that's what I liked about it. That, that Lionel Brown was almost like, uh, just like a reflection of herself in this yeah. episode. Like, they, they completely changed, even though he was still whatever an evil spirit uh, per se, but like the, he, they, they completely changed how they used it and it was way better. Mm-hmm. It was almost, uh, I mean, like it wasn't, I think it was because they, they weren't trying to make him like overtly scary. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. You know? Uh, so Claire finally reveals all to Jamie and she says, there's a darkness in me. I'm having like a lot of bad thoughts. And I realize all of the trauma that's occurred because I came back in time, not once, but twice. And I think I've made like a lot of mistakes. And I really like his reaction, which is like, do you think Brianna thinks you going back in time and meeting me was a mistake? Do you think Roger, who then has a wife, thinks that? Do you think, because he's like, you and I, you made me go to France. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if we hadn't gone to France, we wouldn't have adopted Fergus? I mean, Brianna was had a pretty nice family life that Claire, like, abandoned her and tore it apart. I think that's you're talking little, about the second time she went back in time. I think that's a little presumptuous about Brianna. I think if all, all things considered, Bri- Brianna would have preferred her mom just stayed alone. Just had stayed like. Back in like with so you're talking about the second time whatever. she went back. I'm just saying like these are he made okay. Jamie made hates it back in time. <laughs> Jamie like, made a lot of really really good points, and I think Roger is finding his place. Well, he has to. They won't let him go home, so he has to figure out what to do. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna grow a dumb beard and become a priest. It's like I can't be like a freaking Oxford professor or whatever the hell he was mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. before he had to fall back in time get ass whooped by the mohawk and like it's like he's had a shit time I guarantee you Roger Mack would prefer if Claire had just stayed the fuck home like like this is it's very I think, presumptuous I think Roger Mack is fine that Claire went I think he was Remember, he was like, I'll take care of Brianna. See you later. Best, happy journeys. And he and Brianna, the plan was that they were going to stay there and live happily ever after. And he would take, like, he would be her family. Right. And then Brianna left. Yeah. So that's not Clara's fault. I'm just saying, like, it's a lot of confirmation bias on Jamie's part. Right. It's like, I think, I think it's not true. Well, I really liked Jamie's. Is that gaslighting? Is that what the children call gaslighting? No. I really liked Jamie's reaction. And then when he said... We all have darkness, Claire. You said, yeah, remember that time when someone nailed me to a table and rubbed his hand, his hand. His hand to a table? 
and rubbed lavender oil all over me. And I couldn't stop laughing because I forgot about the lavender yeah. oil. But that scene disturbed you so much. Oh, yeah. Like you I mean, remember that lavender oil. That was, was, a, that, was <laughs> that was probably Outlander's most intense scene. And like very well acted. Uh, by Tobias Menzies, but like, yeah, like Jamie had his hand nailed to a table, rubbed in lavender oil, and then got got up the butt. Like, I mean, you know, he's he's been through some shit. He has. You know? So they embrace, and then you know that they're gonna heal. And she said, and she says, "I do it all over again and more to be with you." Mm. Um, it's a sweet moment. Meanwhile, Lizzie sneaks into Roger and Brianna's house in the middle of the night with one of the Beardsleys and asks them to hand fest, hand fest them. Classic Roger fuck up. Again. And you were like, Roger's going to fall for it. But like, why wouldn't he? Brianna was falling for it as well. But again, this goes with the whole thing of like suddenly no one has any respect for Jamie's authority. They don't know. Roger and Brianna don't know. But Lizzie and the Beardsleys do. Oh, right. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Anyways, then the next morning, he's so proud to tell Claire and Jamie that he's handfasted them. Right. There's this moment where he's like, mm hmm, because Brianna tells them. And they're like, what? And he like smiles proudly. Then they leave. So there's a little bit of relief. They're off for him to become an ordained minister. Where Claire, to? No one nobody knows. knows. Claire and Jamie have resolved the demons that are inside her head. So there's like a moment of happiness. They're making dinner. Is it resolved? It is. Hopefully. And then they're making dinner together. It's just the two of them. But I feel everyone's absence. I don't know if you did. But like I can feel like there's no Roger. There's no Bree. There's no Fergus. There's no Marcelie. I don't know where young Ian is. The bugs are off killing that pig somewhere. That's right. And then... Brown Town. Brown Town. Yeah. He comes... We're here to arrest your wife. Jamie's like, well, you can be on your way, but like, what's going to happen? I like that they brought like 30 dudes with guns yeah. to arrest For like Claire. a 50-something year old yeah. woman. Yeah. And then it's like, fade to black cliffhanger. I don't care. <laughs> it's... One episode left. Yeah. I feel we could have done more with this one. I really do. I, I mean, really do. Considering that two episodes ago, they teased a war um which is they keep saying is right around the corner you wouldn't know it uh no one seems to be fighting anyone we haven't seen commander redcoat in forever Mm -mm. uh there's also a time traveling lunatic with an emerald somewhere we don't even know who he is bookies probably i guess know who he is but like who's mystery time travel dude like yeah. Like give like why would you show us that and then never go back to it? Oh, it's setting up stuff in the future. I don't care. I don't know the future. Like give it to me now. Nothing else is any good. Uh, y- you know it's and and again this whole thing with the Browns. It's like who cares? Like is they're gonna execute and arrest Claire? No, they're not. It's it's like when she got sick. It's like I know she's not gonna die. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, give me something interesting. So we're not going to rate this episode out of 100 because no, there's no point. There's no point. Who's the MVP? Oh, uh, Lionel Brown. I'm going to give it to LB on okay. this one. Lionel Brown and his truth bombs. I'm giving it to Lizzie for that monologue. 
I mean, I'm sorry, just to go back to Lana Brown for one second, I want you to, to hit on Lizzie, but, like, again, that guy's a good actor, though. He's great. Like, he is he is a really good actor. He was good in the previous season. He's, he's like, I really, I'm really glad that they brought him back. He's been wasted a lot of this season. I wish they'd done this with him all season long. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Let's hear about Lizzie and her greasy No, I already said sucks. it. No, no. Just, I, I thought that she, that actress did a great job. What would you say is the best scene? Um, oof. Oof, that's like, oof. that's a hard, it's a hard ask. Um, maybe the Perry Mason scene, even though it kind of threw me, it was the only scene where they kind of like had a little bit of fun um, that I can think of. Maybe, uh, that's the best I got. Yeah. What do you got? Probably the scene where Jamie walks through the door and Lionel Brown is there, like right before, because you're like, okay, she's going to tell him and this is going to be resolved. This is going to be great. That's probably my favorite scene. Right. Well, and we've talked about this before in other shows. Uh, this is a, a co-pet peeve of Megan and I, mm. um, where we both hate in shows when things are happening to people and they lie to the closest people around them mm-hmm. for no reason. What, and Outlander like, does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, lots of shows do it. It's it's like this writing trope that I hate. You know, it's the same thing about, you know, in horror movies where someone sees the monster and they just don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like it's, it's the same kind of thing where, again, like Claire and Jamie have this super close relationship. I just feel like she maybe would have spilt it a little earlier i'm glad they didn't drag it on any longer so what's the worst scene i mean i didn't i thought the lizzie scene was ridiculous it was it was yeah my worst scene is probably one of the ones where we just kept seeing the close-up of her sewing up malva's neck it's like okay yeah i get it yeah filler 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 right yeah yeah that's that's the uh the good news is there's only one left right yeah but i'll miss doing the podcast and and talking to people on on our facebook yeah we have a facebook page um loinlander facebook group something like that uh loinlander podcast group there it is uh we're on twitter at loinlander and if you so desire you can reach us uh, via email uh, at loinlander at Mm gmail.com that's right feel free to reach out we'd love to hear from you good or bad um we, we love to hear what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll talk to you next week. One episode left. Final episode. Have a good week. Have a good week. Have a good week.